Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe it. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my caregivers out there on Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com. <laughs> and we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio. I mean, the list goes on and on. And we just want to uh let you know that we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on player fm and number two caregiver podcast on feed spot out of the top 60 and number two caregiver podcast on caringvillage.com and we have an especially exciting show planned for you today karen warner schuler karen warner schuler is the author of the sudden caregiver a roadmap for resilient caregiving which she wrote after caring for her late husband, Joel. Karen became a sudden (laughs) caregiver when Joel was diagnosed out of the blue with stage four cancer. In her book, she draws upon her own experience, the experience of other caregivers, and her master's degree in positive psychology. Before we get uh, Karen on the show, I want to be able to thank my last last week's guest, Margaret Combs, the five key factors to help post-traumatic stress disorder victims to learn. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global audio and video platforms that I mentioned earlier, iHeartRadio, iTunes, etc. All right, enough of that. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great to see you and be here again. Oh, the, the joy is mine. So I always like to ask my guests, you've been on the show once before, so you probably know this is coming. Uh, who is Karen Warner Schuler? Because you have a different last name now, and why was she placed on this earth? Well, I was placed on this earth, I believe, to solve problems. That's my major superpower. The world needs problem solvers, yes. I just never saw a problem until <laughs> I hit stage four cancer. There's pretty much no oh, problem boy. I felt I could so- couldn't solve. Uh, and so that's my, I do think that's why I'm here. And when I was presented with the problem of caregiving, I drove, dove right in and gave it all I had. Um, I am an executive coach, which I've been doing for about 20 years. And before that, I had a career in marketing and high tech. Um, and I was a very happily deployed marketing consultant and, um, and organizational consultant when my late husband was diagnosed with cancer and that changed my whole world. Well, I must say you look like a million bucks. You certainly don't look like a burned out (laughs) caregiver whose husband just had stage four cancer. So you're taking good care of yourself. So you're one of the few caregivers who understand self-care and we'll get into that part later, but um, tell me about um, what this whole experience taught you since the last time we had spoken. I think the biggest lesson I take away from caregiving, and I literally think this thought every day, is life is short. (laughs) And 
I, and it's, it informs pausing a little bit before I rush to the next thing and appreciating. So I appreciate my family. I just was on vacation with my friends and family and just living year to year saying, I may not be able to do this again next year. You never know. That num- that's the number one lesson. The number two lesson when you talk about self-care is to grant yourself grace. So we are, as caregivers, as humans, we're going to blunder our way through our days. But if you can come to the end of your day and say, okay, I, I got some things right. Maybe I got many things right. I sure got a few things wrong. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to start with a new slate. There's actually an uh, Emerson co- quote, Robert, um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh-huh. which I have, his, I have the quote on my uh, stenciled onto my front hallway. And it says, live each day and let it go. You did your best. And so that is really what I think all caregivers, if I could put that on a screensaver for all caregivers, I think <laughs> that's the, the most important thing. So tell me what your husband was like, your late husband, and um, how that whole situation affected you. My late husband, we used to joke that I was the big planet and he was the little, I, he was the big planet and I was the little planet because he had a footprint in the world. He was an economist. He was a global guy. He always knew what was happening in every country all around the world. He literally created an index, indexing 52 countries by their levels of um, corruption and transparency. Uh-huh. And, um, and he was a consultant. And so that's who I lived with. He wrote 20 business books on his own. Wow. And um, I was not supposed to ever write a book. I was <laughs> the person to take, make sure everything went well with the family and make sure when we got married, he was my second husband and I was, his, you know, we were the seconds for each other. And um, he said, you're in charge of fun. And so what vacations do we take? How do we take care of the kids? Make sure everyone's launched. So, uh, but when he got sick, that was it as caregivers know, and I called my book, the sudden caregiver, we went overnight into a whole new world. And in my book, I talk about it um, being behind the looking glass. So everything looks the same. You live in the same place. You have the same friends. You, there are the same, many times, same expectations placed on you, but everything in your world has changed so profoundly. So how do you figure out, you know, what to keep to yourself, what to share with other people, how to ask for help, all of those things. I guess I was a sudden caregiver too, because when we went to bed on August 31st uh, and we woke up on September 1st, gosh, Labor Day, this is, this is a, uh, an anniversary I didn't even uh, remember. That's when my wife had her stroke on Labor Day, 1996, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So this is wow. the 25th silver anniversary of my wife's stroke. <laughs> I can't believe we've been doing this for 25 years. So, yeah, I was a sudden caregiver, wasn't prepared for it, wasn't on my resume. Uh, glad I didn't uh, know too much because I was on a need-to-know <laughs> basis. Otherwise, I would have uh, killed myself if I knew that 25 years later, I would still be dealing with this. But, you know, you take one day at a time. But yes. um, what kind of response have you had from your book and the title? Well, the title seems to resonate with people in two ways. One is 
like you, like me, you go to bed one night with one set of circumstances and literally the next day, a health situation changes everything. Uh, and then the other is people who are in long-term care situations who say, I know this is the sudden caregiver, but I, you know, everything is, we go along pretty well until my mom falls and then I'm at the ER. So there's a, there's a cyclical suddenness right. inside all caregiving situations. Uh, but thanks for asking. The book is done. So I'm always amazed that uh, people find it and find their way to it. And I was a tech writer way back in the beginning of my career. I was an English major and everyone told me I would never make any money. So this is how that was how I did it. But I, I am really good at taking information and helping people access it visually. And so I put roadmaps together and I use metaphors that people can access and really say, okay, I understand what that is. So one of my, res one of my metaphors is uh, using uh, the metaphor of a quarterback, which if you don't like football, American football mm -hmm. might be a problem, but I love it. And I try to convince caregivers to stay with me on this, that <laughs> caregivers are, um, you really are, no plan survives contact with the enemy. And so you really are the one person on the field who all decisions have to go on. You have to read what's going yeah. on all around you, all the stuff that people share with you and the decisions that come to you that have to be made. And so when you do that, you actually have to declare it. And I call it assuming the position, assume <laughs> the position of caregiver because everyone is giving it to you anyway. And so when I, that one particular metaphor, strangers have reached out to me and said, you know, that was the part in the book that I, that really made me feel empowered. Like, I know that all these people have all their opinions and they're criticizing me, but I'm the one who I'm looking around, I'm left standing here. And so I'm going to go forward with it. Yeah. So what is the first thing you tell a sudden caregiver when they reach out to you? Because they, I assume they reach out to you. Yes. Uh, the very first thing is really pragmatic, get organized, because, um, and I literally on day one got a binder and put tabs in it, because I'm not an organized person. And the last thing I wanted was for anyone to ask me a question and me go, like, search around my desk to see if I could find cards or prescriptions or reasons why we were making the decisions we were. So I put everything into the binder and that became very useful because other people, the second thing I tell people beyond getting organized is ask for help. Uh -huh. And I mean that in a very specific way, which I'll get to, but you can leave that binder or shoebox or whatever you want to use on the counter. And everyone who comes in to help can flip through and yep. get the answers they're looking for. Checklist. I'm a sailor and uh, every boat has a checklist on the boat. Before yes. you head off, do this, do this, do this, do this. If this happens, this is what you do first, et cetera. When you're in trouble, you have to call the Coast Guard. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a great, uh, makes caregiving a lot easier. I wish somebody left me a checklist. <laughs> I <laughs> well, make yeah. it all up. You do. It's, I, it's, it's what I call planning the unplannable. You know, mm -hmm. we just have no idea. But I feel like in caregiving, if you can control what you can control. So 
Yep. Don't fall under the wheels of just being disorganized. The other thing I ask people to consider is create a practice of resiliency because it is easy, as you know, to wake up and have a bad day. And when you have a bad day, by definition, all those people attached to you are also going to have a little bit of a bad day. Yeah, if that person not is not happy, nobody's happy. Right. And when that person is the person in your care who's already struggling with a health issue, it really does, it does, and there's research behind this, it benefits everyone if you can find a way to be resilient and develop your yeah. own self-care and well-being. So what can burned out caregivers start doing right away that, that you know, they can start feeling good by the end of this podcast, they can be giving them some, some tools to try and they try it and, they, and it works out and uh, you got any quick fixes and then we'll get into the longer term stuff. The quick fix is notice what you're grateful for every day. And in positive psychology, there's a, there's a movement to keep a gratitude journal. And it sounds so, it sounds corny. It sounds, but it's so simple and it's so powerful because if you write down the three things that you noticed when you look back on your day, well, that, it was a bad day, but this good thing happened. Yeah. Um, or people who showed up. I used to have someone knock on my door and I'd open the door and they'd just hand me a cup of Starbucks and then leave. And it was That's the best great thing. great idea if, if you're listening, yeah. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> just know what that caregiver's Starbucks order is and you're going to be good. Um, but those are the kinds of things that I'd look back on my day and go, it was really tough. We got some really bad news, but this happened. One day I came home and friends, three of my friends, four of my friends had decided they were just going to once a week send something to my house. And so you're coming in on a cold. We lived in Boston. It was cold. It was snowy and getting home from treatment. And I'd open the front door to get the paper and there'd be a little present, like a little package just sitting there glowing just for me. And they oh. did, they each did something different, but. It, it, you know, years later, really, really meant a lot to me. That's awesome. That's a great idea. So um, gratitude journal, that's the yeah, an attitude the, of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that will, that's a quick fix. That will really help reverse things. So there are um, so many books out there on caregiving. I mean, I've got a, a few myself. Um, what makes your book different from all the other caregiving books? Well, I, when I, when my husband was, first sick. I am a person who goes to Amazon to get books about whatever the topic is. And I got, as you, I got a lot of caregiver books. And what I found was they weren't addressing my feelings. They weren't addressing how I was going to get myself through this situation. A lot was about skills to care for another person, which are essential. You need to know how to do those things. But there was, maybe I'm selfish, but there was yeah. nothing that said, here's how you get sure. through your day. So I looked for that roadmap. I couldn't find it. And as my husband was, we knew he was terminally ill. And as his life was nearing an end, I sat with him and talked about what would it be? What would a roadmap for caregiving really look like? And uh -huh. we kind of put a few things together. And then I just played around with it until I got, yes, this is. So mine is two. There are two chapters that are different, I think. One is, the first one is how to, how to become that resilient caregiver. Uh -huh. And the second is how to do caregiving. So 
I have in the first section, and these are all downloadable on my website for free. You can get that. It's called Pathways to Wellbeing. And it's that if you're going to be a resilient caregiver, you have to hold, you tie yourself to the mast of doing these things. They're the things I came up with. There are others, but self-care is a part of it. Um, assuming the position very proactively, um, mapping your journey so you know where you are and what to expect, even though you may not have all the answers. And creating a care team, which I think is the most essential thing long-term, in a, especially in a, your caregiving situation, is to screen that world of people wanting to help and say, which of these people could I call, would I really call if I were broken down at midnight on the side of the highway and they really would answer their phone and they really would come out and get me? Those people get to be part of your team because you don't want people who need you to take care of them uh, while they need to give and help you. But also you want people to be sure that they're, um, that they're making the contribution that you need. And these have to be people you can feel free to ask for that. I don't need someone to make me chicken noodle soup. I need someone to look at this insurance bill and tell me if should I pay it or not. So, so I call that developing your care leading squad. So you added a name to your name. Does that mean you're married now? I am. I have a very happy, serendipitous, sweet story about uh, as a, a sad widow having to evacuate. I'd been a widow for a year and a half and, we had a hurricane in South Carolina where I moved to after my husband died and I had to evacuate and I had to go somewhere. So I went um, to Gettysburg, just like I'm a history buff. I like, you know, I had never been. So I went to Gettysburg and um, there was a wedding and there were all these people. <laughs> I was trying to eat a sandwich and there was one seat next to me and a guy came in and sat down and we started talking. And honestly, it was like, we were best friends. Like we just met each other. And, wow. and then we were you still grieving at that point. I had moved past, this was a, I had moved past the really awful, sad grieving. I was sort of embracing life again. Um, it, and in my book, I talk about it when my, my daughter um, got married right after my husband was diagnosed and she had a baby about a year and a half after um, he passed. And I flew across the country. They live in San Diego. And they put this little munchkin in my arms. His name is Oliver. And I could feel like, like the poltergeist just leaving the room and that it just felt and I, I look back on this moment, it just my grief just turned around into love and joy for this new little being. Yeah. For those who are no longer caregivers, maybe their husband died. Uh, Maybe you knew he was going to die. Maybe you had advanced notice. Maybe it happened suddenly. Um, A lot of people get depressed because they, well, now what do I do? You know, their identity, especially if they've been doing it for a long time, uh, has been so wrapped up in uh, caregiving that they can't even think about uh, dating someone else. It's, It's the last thing from their mind. Or even uh, what they're going to do, you know, whether they're going to volunteer at the senior center. Um, how did that go for you? I mean, how how long were you able to think romantic thoughts of another person and and not feel guilty about it and not have your kids shame you and judge you because that happens a lot. Mm, yeah, 
Um, I, I'm not, I never want, I was not looking to date anyone. I've been, I was really <laughs> lucky to have my husband as my husband, my late husband. And I was really, I was kind of doing that thing, you know, your mom tells you to do like pursue your own interests. So not looking to date, not wanting to, my friends were sort of, you know, yeah, you should think about this, but if I had never met another person and my, my current husband, my new husband says the same thing. We were, we were good. And, um, but it really is a matter of, first of all, everyone grieves differently and everyone's grief timeline is different. When I think about how long I was a caregiver where I was totally focused on caregiving, right? So there's a, a part of me that believes you begin to grieve at that sudden caregiver moment when your life is no longer the same. And it, it you can't let in for a little while, at least I couldn't, that it's not going back. We're not going to be those people that we were yesterday. And so now we have to choose what we want to be. So by the time, and I did know my husband had a terminal illness, but I will tell you, I didn't believe I really thought we had five years and um, all told it was 18 months and I didn't think I'd lose them. But I, I will also say for those caregivers who are, have lost someone or are, are thinking that may happen, I'm not, the first year of my grieving, the first year was absolutely without any question, the worst year of my entire life. And I've had some pretty bad years in my, in my life, of, you know, over the, over the years, things happen, but it was absolutely terrible because you, I didn't know who I was and who I was supposed to be now yeah. after all these years of, and so um, you did go through there, that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it was not easy at it's all. And, yeah. And I really felt like, I mentioned poltergeist, but I really felt like I was haunted by this grief that it was, it was at the doors and windows and it would not leave. So, so how do you get through the grief process? Um, I, I'm tempted to say quickly, but not everybody thinks that grief should be quick. You know, everybody grieves in their own time. Um, uh, this one woman got mad at me because it'd been five years and she was still grieving. He was on her Facebook page and, you know, it's all she ever talked about. And I kind of, Hinted, maybe, you know, you need to move on and boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not maybe moving on isn't for everyone. And um, I, I can't, um, I can only say what my experience was, but I will say that um, I, I had to figure out what do I do for a living? I had my own company for a long time and the idea of going back on the road, I got, recruited to go take a big job and move to Seattle. And I was like, I don't want to. And so I just had to like think through what will work and what won't work. I will say um, the only way out is through and that's going to be different for everyone, but there is a through, there is a, a new you on the other side. And in my book, I call it evolution because I have a roadmap that spells uh -huh. the word care and the E of that is after your caregiving has resolved, which is the R, C-A-R-E, you have to evolve. You have no choice if you're going to live and not be depressed. 
Um, I do feel your care leading squad is very helpful at that time. Mine were like a phone call away if I needed them. And uh, also I believe in getting support and getting help. I believe that as caregiving support groups inside the caregiving situation. And then I looked for a grief support group after and found one at our local church. And sometimes I was the only person who showed up because everyone else was fine with their grief, but I was just holding my grief like this, like, what do I do with this? Somebody take it from me. So it's hard. Well, we have time for one more question. I'm going to let you ask it. What, what didn't I ask you that you would like to talk about? Um, hmm. I think the thing about your book, maybe. Yeah. yeah, the, well, the most important part of my book is um, to really take it and figure out where you are in your caregiving experience. And you don't have to read it cover to cover, uh, but to avail yourself of some of the things that are especially around self-care, getting enough sleep, eating the right things. Those things are, um, we had talked, you had said, talked about self-care at the very beginning. Uh, But I talk about it like when I went away to kindergarten, my mom said, you know, these are the rules. You you eat your vegetables, you go outside to play, um, you do things that are, you have friends, you have a hobby, you had to have a hobby or a sport, you had to play the piano. Um, And the one thing that there's research behind that I think is really important is right now, especially because of COVID, and this is probably the unasked question, COVID has created a situation with caregivers where it is it is intensely more difficult to be a caregiver than it was for me in 20, whatever, 14, 15, 16. And to understand that you still have a way out that you, you, when COVID hit, my book was done. I was about to go to press. And then I went, I don't say one thing about COVID in this book. It's going to be a thing. And so I waited a while and I did some more research and I wrote a preface about COVID and caregiving. And what I concluded was I didn't have to rewrite the book. Everything about the book, about resilience, self-care, it's all important. What is harder is you're never alone. It's getting a little better because people are returning to their offices. But someone who is in a caregiver support group and is on Zoom with the person in their care in the next room, you, you lose your privacy. So I really believe find advocate for yourself, carve a space out of privacy in your own home where you can take the phone off the hook and take, put the, put the burden down, just put it aside and then let it, and then let it um, just take a moment to take a break. And that will refill and replenish your the energy you've spent. Awesome. How do we get a hold of you? How do we buy the book? Book is on Amazon, The Sudden Caregiver. Uh, you just have to type that in. It comes up. And uh, I have a website, www.thesuddencaregiver.com. And some of the resources that I talked about, the roadmap is downloadable on there. And there's a playbook that's downloadable if you have the book. Um, and just any, anything that you also have a whole page of resources, which is something people don't realize that social, there's a lot of social support, formal social support for caregivers that we don't even think to tap into. And so I have a resources page on the suddencaregiver.com that will help you awesome. figure out what you're dealing with.
Uh, what's your husband do for a living? He, well, he's a consultant, <laughs> which is code for anyone in their 60s who no longer does the corporate thing. He worked yep. at Abbott Labs. We got married in our backyard over Zoom because oh, of COVID, nice. and it was very sweet. Yeah, so we're, very, we're quite lucky. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a delight. Nice having you back again. And for everyone else, uh, tune in next week, same time, same channel, and we will do this all over again. In the meantime, go to caregiverdave.com, and we have three free gifts for anyone who joins our free membership website. It's a great uh, community support group. And if you're watching this on any platform, uh, YouTube or Spreaker or whatever, uh, push the like button, and, uh, and that'll help us to spread the word to even more people. So... Bye-bye. Thank you, Dave. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.